0: Thanks for joining us today for our Freedom Podcast. We are excited to grow with you. Today, you will hear a message from the life-changing Word of God. We hope this podcast adds value to your everyday life. If you want to find out more about this ministry, visit our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. know we sing a song like that, immediately transports me back to Easter. Amen. And I start to think about the reality, the the truth of the fact that Jesus overcame the very thing that first century or first century believers were terrified about. They had no idea about what would take place and death was the only thing that threatened them. They they weren't sure. They knew about the commandments and they knew about what God has spoken to Moses but they had no direction. They were kind of wandering and aimless and here comes Jesus and he move, comes on the scene and he overcomes the very thing that all of them are intimidated by and it's called death. Showing you and I that not even death which seems so final has authority over our king of kings and our lord. Lord of Lords. And every time we say his name, Jesus, it means God saves. He is in fact the truth and the full revelation of everything that God has to say about himself. It's so beautiful to me. Jesus Christ, our living hope. That song is one of my favorites. It says, out of the silence that there's a roaring lion. God doesn't need you to defend him. He is a roaring lion. There, there's nothing too great in your life. He is a roaring lion. There was times when the lion was silent for whatever reason, because he wanted to keep His pre- the presence of God flowing. I mean, I remember even in the scripture one time, it says that they accused Jesus of all these things, and he didn't even speak a word. There was times when the lion was silent. But that silence wasn't a sign of the approval of what was happening with man. He was just storing up a roar that has changed the world. He is a roaring lion. You don't have to try to pray cautious prayers to defend that God is good. He's a roaring lion. You don't have to be afraid of your sickness and your iniquity. He's a roaring lion. You don't have to try to explain God. He is a roaring lion. So grateful today. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, let me just be honest with you today. I'm going to get into it tonight, but here's what this moment reminds me of. Um, when we're in a space like this, there's two types of people. There are people who catch the revelation of what God is doing, and they're able to go where God intends them to go. And there's people who are in the midst who are here, they're present, they're in the room, but they miss the revelation. And you say, well, what's the difference? It's, it's what Jesus said. He who has an ear to hear let him hear. Just because you have two appendages on the side of your face, doesn't that mean you can hear? You got to turn your heart. God, help me to hear what you're saying. You know, I was at the airport a couple, I hate when evangelists tell airport stories, but I'm about to tell one. I was at the airport and uh, I was at the gate doing what I do best, church, people watching. Come on. Some people are on their phones. Some people are worried about food. I'm people watching. There's a sermon everywhere, Amen. And uh, this guy has an entire gaming setup. He bought a portable TV, his Xbox. He's playing games. He has the headset on. He's talking trash to people online. We can hear him all in the terminal. They start boarding the plane. And I saw that he was sitting where our gate was. I said, this guy's supposed to be on this plane. Now, you're like, why did not you just go over and tell him that the plane was boarding? I'm, I'm minding my own business, church. Come on, amen. And he, uh, he was there. <laughs> And uh, they start boarding the plane. I was in the first boarding group, but I said, I'm waiting till the last. I wanna see what happens with this guy. And so uh, they, they board. I'm the last one on the plane. I mean, this guy is locked in playing this game. And then they close the door. And I only know what happens next because I'm nosy. And I stood there and sort through the little window slit and saw the whole moment take place. They close the door and they close it loud, and he could hear that the door is now closed. And so he gets up, he gets all the stuff off of him, he's packing all the stuff, and he says, let me on that plane. And he said, no, we close the door, we've been boarding for 45 minutes, once the door is closed, it does not open, it is a security violation, it is a violation, we cannot do it. And this guy's freaking out. I was here on time. I got here two hours early. I knew exactly. I got my ticket. My bags are already on this plane. I need to get on this plane. And they said, sir, sorry. There's nothing we can do. There's no way we can help you. And the Lord spoke to me in that moment. And said, it doesn't matter if you're in the right location. It doesn't matter if you know where you're supposed to go. It doesn't matter if you've already packed and if your luggage is on the plane. If you don't pay attention to the call that's coming to get on this ship, you could be in the right place and still miss what God's trying to do. You can still miss it. Your presence in the right location is step A. But you paying attention to where the Spirit is leading is step B. I am telling you today, just because you're here doesn't mean you can catch it. So here's what I want to pray today. Would you put your hand on your heart and say, Holy Spirit, open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my understanding. Help me to hear what your Spirit is saying. God, I made it in the room, but I don't want to miss what you are saying. Part of the problem with church people is we think that just because we know a verse or a story or a scripture, we don't need to listen. But maybe God's not trying to speak it to you just today so you can understand it. Maybe he's trying to speak it to you so you can remember it, to teach it. Because wants, God wants to use your influence to change the people around you. So help me, Holy Spirit. Even if I've heard it a million times, to dive in. To take a cannonball to the deep end of faith. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on. Are you glad to be here tonight? Oh, you are in the right place at the right time. I'm so honored. You can have a seat in this place today. And uh, if you can already tell, uh, I am feeling spicy tonight. Okay. Uh, Because we had hot wings for lunch. Got more wings. It's the weight of my heart. And um, you know what? What I just said at the end. Triggered something in me. Um. So many believers don't listen to a word. Like if I, (laughs) if I preach from John 3.16 tonight, some of you would be disappointed. You're like, how do you know? Because at some point when I'm in special occasions or places and someone preaches on a text that I know really well, I'm like, ah, and I start to tune out a little bit. But the truth is this, is John 3.16 tells us this, for God so loved the world so loved that he gave his only begotten son. And some of us are like, I don't need to understand this. I I already know this. And it's like, well, if you actually understood the love of God, you would live a totally different life. For the the scripture says, perfect love casts out fear. So if you understood love and didn't have to listen to it, you wouldn't be afraid of all the things you're afraid of. If you are so sure and so confident that you knew about the love of God, you wouldn't constantly be belittling yourself or thinking about what you did wrong in the presence of God. You would think about what God wants to do that's right. Let us never become the type of people ooh, that miss what God is doing simply because we think it's familiar. Amen. Okay, I'm going to jump into this tonight. I am... um. Uh, super inspired, and uh, (laughs) I was talking to my mom in the car, and my mom told me literally, this is this is real action, live action is happening. My mom said to me, Son, you preach the best. When you talk about what you enjoy the most, and what I enjoy the most, uh, honestly, uh, outside of reading the scriptures, being a part of the family of God, preaching the gospel, is I am I am a nerd. People, I enjoy Christian history, like I just do. Like I enjoy history. I'm not just talking about like history, like uh, of, of churches started. I'm talking about of men and women of God who stood in the gap, and their breath, their expelling of breath, changed the course of human history. Okay? I like really enjoy this. And so, you know, I read a lot about different people. Like, I read about one of my favorites is John Knox, who John Knox was a man, a, a revivalist in Scotland, to which he prayed this prayer out loud that everyone knew. John Knox said, Give me Scotland or give me death. That's a prayer he prayed. His story is remarkable. I read about people like A.B. Simpson and C.M. Abrams, people who packed their stuff in coffins after hearing the call of God to be a missionary, packed their stuff in coffins and decided to go over to foreign lands where they didn't even know the language, but they packed their stuff in coffins because they expected to die on the soil that God created them to be a part of saving. And they would say things like, they got there, especially for C.M. Abrams, C.M. Abrams got there and didn't know the language that the people were speaking. and said to God. God, I already am here. I bought a one-way ticket. Come on, some of y'all need to get a little courage in here and start buying a one-way ticket on some things that God has called you to do to what you can't turn back. Some of y'all need a one-way ticket on forgiveness, a one-way ticket on faith, a one-way ticket on giving. You need a one-way ticket. Says, I'm going, to, goes into a, a undisclosed location, doesn't know how to speak the language of the people and says, God, I'm already here. I bought a one-way ticket. And so I can't turn back now and let me, teach me the language of these people. And in one prayer, one overnight, one, one, the Lord gives this person, C.M. Abrams, the wisdom and the ability to speak the language so that person can preach the gospel to people who have never heard it before. Come on. I like Rosetta Stone, but I like the Holy Spirit a lot better. Come on, church. Come on, you can be on Duolingo if you want. I'm going to turn to Deuteronomy and ask God to give me a supernatural. Okay, I'm sorry. There we go. It's amazing. And then you read about people like the Holden brothers, young men who started a business and used all the proceeds of that business to start and plant churches all over England. And they saw almost 100,000 people come to Christ before social media, television, and all the avenues of technology we have today. It's amazing. And you read about people like Charles Finney and you read about people like John Wesley and you read about people like Smith Wigglesworth who saw more healings in his lifetime than you have probably heard about in your lifetime. You start reading about these men and women of God and there's a common denominator amongst all of them that nobody actually speaks to. And it's this, that they knew how Abba, when I say Abba, I'm talking about God, felt about them. Like they didn't have time To consider their mistakes and replay their anxious thoughts and memories of failure in the past. Why? Because standing in front of them, they had to gird up the faith to see the people who he called them to one change and transform. What am I trying to say today? Is that there's some things that God is calling us to, some things that he's putting right in front of us to be a part of. And the reason we cannot engage with full tenacity is because we're so busy worried about what happened or what was or what used to be. When I was praying this afternoon I was asking the Holy Spirit like give me a word that helps what I preach these last two days stick Give me, give me something that helps what I'm about to speak tonight stick because far be it for me to preach two messages that I, I, I felt like the Lord gave me today uh, one last night and then whatever that was this morning, praise God and then, uh, but, I, but I still felt like the Lord gave it to me amen so I was like, God, I need something that sticks and so I changed my notes again on the team and I sent this this afternoon. I want to preach a message that I, I honestly like believe from the depths of my soul is the right thing to help what I was already what I already spoke to you and what the Lord spoke to you stick today. So if you have a Bible, Jude chapter one, verse nine, just one verse, and it's probably a verse you have not read before. And if you have read it, you get a gold star. You'll get you one after service. Praise God. Go ahead and email Sammy. She'll get you a gold star in Jesus name. Jude chapter one, verse nine, friends, has changed my entire life. Jude chapter one, verse nine has been the most pinnacle uh, verse in my... It is mind-blowing to me. Can I read it to you today? Jude chapter 1, verse 9. Some of you are going to be like, where where are you going with this? Watch this. Even Michael, the chief angel, right? He's not an intern angel. Hello? He is the chief angel, right? He's not like a temp, got a part-time job. No, no, no. This is the chief angel of heaven, assigned by God, given authority to be the chief. He is the CEO of heaven. Hello, somebody. He's the chief, angel of heaven. God is the owner. Praise God. Okay, he didn't dare to insult the devil when the two of them were arguing about the body of Moses. He didn't dare insult the devil when the two of them were arguing about the body of Moses. Can I tell you, friends, how diabolical Satan is? Is that he's not just fighting for people when they have breath in their lungs, but he's trying to destroy their legacy even when they're gone. Look at it. Pay attention. He didn't dare insult the devil when the two of them were arguing about the body of Moses. All Michael said is, The Lord will punish you. This is a very strange verse. And it took me a couple of weeks. Like, I kept coming back to it. Like, I would just read it over and over and over. I was like, Lord, what are you trying to speak to me for? Like, this is weird. Am I insulting people? Is that what's happening? What's going on? And the Lord spoke to me all so clear today. That's why today I want to preach from the thought erasing. The insult mentality. Erasing the insult mentality. Oh my goodness I wish somebody would have preached a message like this to me when I was younger because it would have saved me a lot of faking my faith. Has anyone been there? Okay, never get any hands raised right there. Um, they would have saved me from faking my faith, it would have saved me from acting like I'd had it all together because though I looked good on the outside, internally I was insecure, ashamed, addicted, broken, and I was so frustrated, and nobody shared it with me. The insult mentality. Oh, it paralyzed my life. Do you know what I mean when I say insult mentality today? I'm talking about the voice that says you're not good enough. I'm talking about the thoughts that remind you of your past when you just want to step into your future. I'm talking about the shame that creeps up in your relationship with God every time you make a little progress. The insult mentality is the constant belief that God has disappointed you in you. And I thought this only affected younger Christians, I really did. Until I saw it begin to creep into my life again, even as a preacher of the gospel. The insult mentality, here's what I've come to learn, is that insults are doing this because they exist in every issue that we actually have, right? The insult mentality, uh, it's under the surface of everything that we're wrestling with. Depression, anxiety, addiction, suicidal thoughts. The insult mentality exists in every single one of the place, That constant belief that I'm disappointing God. And the reason that insults are so sticky, actually insults are the enemy's greatest weapon. And the reason that insults are so sticky is because they cut deep and they stick to the soul. They cut so deep. They're in such an exposed place. Man, they stick to the soul. And here's how I know. I've learned this, right? Insults are one of the greatest, the enemy's greatest weapons. And I figured this out just recently. And remember when I say recently, I could be talking between now and the last 10 years. Praise God. Um, But recently, I think it was honestly like three years ago, I uh, ran into this girl that I went to school with. And uh, you know, when you're more excited to see someone than they are excited to see you, praise God, right? So I was like, Sam, how are you? She's like, ugh. And I was like, is someone okay? Hey. Oh, you don't want to talk? Okay. And I was so confused because this girl, Sam, me and her were good friends. In high school, we had the type of relationship where you could make fun of each other and not get offended. Teenagers, I know you don't even know what that is today. You guys get offended. Someone's like, hey, your shoes are tight. You're like, these, these shoes are, I want them to be untied. Okay, anyway. Um, me and Pastor Tony were just talking about this. Young people get so offended right now. I was literally praying for a girl at the altar. I was like, God bless her, help her. She was like, don't misgender me. I am not a her. I said, Jesus, you about to, she was like, I am not, do not misgender me. I'm upset. I'm like, you about to get slapped at the altar. You see what I'm saying? Um, but, but me and Sam had the kind of relationship where you could actually joke with one another and it wasn't awkward. You know what I mean? Like you could tell your mama jokes to each other and it wouldn't be, right? Like you could make jokes about skin color, race, anything. We just had that kind of relationship. So I remember one time Sam said to me, she was like, you know, in the middle of class, she was like, Peter, you are so dark. She's like, if we turn off the lights, we won't be able to see you. I was like, oh, it's like that, huh? Okay. All right, Sam. I see what you're saying. She's like, Peter, you are under the bed dark, like 1130 at night. I was like 1015 at the latest. 1130 is too far. You know, we could joke about it. So I see Sam one time, she's in class. You know what I mean? And uh, they, they popcorn, you know, who remembers popcorn reading? Come on, somebody. They popcorn to, to Sam. Somebody popcorned her and she got lost in the paragraph and she couldn't read it. And I said, Sam, you got a problem. She said, what? I said, you're ugly and dumb. That's a dangerous combination. You see what I'm saying? We had a good relationship. Somebody like, oh my gosh, that is horrible. But that was just kind of the relationship that we had. But one day, Sam came into the class, we were about, you know, like Sam came into the class when we were all in in the class, like whatever class we were in, and uh, this day, maybe I I took it a little too far. Sam walked in, we were all going through puberty at that same time, my voice was changing, I was like, hi, hi, right, like everything was happening, and we were all going through it, we all had pimples on our face, braille, just trying to, you know, whatever. And so, Sam came in to class, and I said, I didn't order a pepperoni pizza. Now, everyone in the class laughed, including the teacher. You know a joke is good, friends. When even the teacher was like, (laughs) Peter, that is rude. I said, you laughed. I saw you. But Sam was so distraught, so upset. So frustrated. She actually ran out of the class. Now, if I'm being honest, I'm really unaware. And at that time as a student, really emotionally unintelligent, I didn't realize that me and Sam really stopped talking after that. You know, life kind of goes on. You're pursuing the things you want to pursue. But you still remember people. And so when I saw Sam again, I got excited. I was like, hey, we haven't seen each other for so long. How are you? She said, Peter, I don't want to talk to you. I said, what? What's the the problem? She said, when we were in the eighth grade, you insulted me and it was one of the worst things anyone's ever said to me. Friends, it had been 10 years later. 10 years later and she doesn't remember the fun that we had, doesn't remember the relationship we had. All she remembers is the insults that I spoke over her. This is why insults are the enemy's greatest weapon today because they don't just cut deep, they stick to the soul. And if you and I are not going to become the kind of people that God is calling us to be, we have to erase the insult mentality. That's the greatest insult I feel like I've ever given. But here's the one I received. If you've heard me preach before, especially the students in this room, you've heard this story before. But it's true. Uh, I, when I was in, I mean, further down the timeline in my education, I was in elementary school. And I still remember this story because it has impacted me so deeply, still cutting today, if I let it. The insult mentality. In the fourth grade, there was this girl in my class. Her name was Taylor Cooper, and she had an eye patch. And your boy was really into pirates, okay? And so I liked her. And uh, so I'm sorry, okay? <laughs> so uh, I was like, "Say R." She was like, R. I I was like, "Thank you, God." Okay, um, I really liked her. And so t- I'm black. Taylor was white, okay? And so I remember me and Taylor. We were really good friends. Again, great situation. And I remember one time she had a birthday party. Friends, I'm telling you. the, the insults cut so deep, you remember things from even when you were a kid. Some of you are still wrestling with insults that were spoken over you when you were a child. You haven't surrendered them to God. And then you're asking yourself, why can't I hear him? Why am I operating in the authority that's on my life? Why am I not being blessed? It's because you're still holding on to what was spoken over you so many years ago. And and so I remember this today because I had to let go of it, even though I'm using it as a testimony for today. Taylor had a birthday party and she had Scooby-Doo invites. I know that doesn't matter to you, but it was a big deal in that day. And so Taylor invited everyone into her class, in our class, to come to her party. But she skipped over me. But I was an optimistic kid. I woke. I grew up in a home where my mom only speaks faith. Hello? Uh, she got on the phone with Pastor Tony today. She's like, this is what God's going to do in your church. You're going to new dimensions. New you know, like she just always speaks faith. So I grew up in a home and my mom told me every day of my life, she was like, everyone likes you and you're everyone's favorite. Actually, she said it like this. Everybody loves you. You are everyone's favorite. You are a man of God, right? Like she, every single day of my life. Over and over. So I just constantly believed that people liked me until I grew up to find out, not everybody likes you, right? So I grew up, I was optimistic. So when Taylor didn't give me an invite, I wasn't sad. I was just like, (laughs) she's probably saving the best for last. (laughs) So she hands out the invitations and I'm one of those people still to this day who if I hear about a party that I'm not invited to, I will invite myself. Is there anybody else like that? I'm like, I heard you're having a shindig. I'll bring the buffalo chicken dip. See you there. What time? Uh, 3.30? Okay, cool. You don't need the address? No, I already have the address. Praise God. Um, (laughs) So I was like, Taylor, hey, you didn't invite me to your party. No big deal whatsoever. I love you. I'll be there. I know where you live. That's not creepy. I know where you live. And she said, Peter, Peter. I said, no, it's fine, Taylor. I said, I don't need to invite. Me and you are real friends. And then she said to me, Peter, I, I didn't invite you to my party. I was like, that party's going to stink. And she was like, I was like, why? She said, and this is a true story, church. She said, my mom said, I can't invite you to my party because you're black. And I was like, I'm not even black, though. She was like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm a dark cinnamon. Um, <laughs> she was like, what? I was like, yeah, like I glistened in the light. You know, she was like, my mom said, I can't invite you to my party. And so, church, I know this is stupid what I'm, I'm telling you, but I'm trying to get, I'm going to make a point. I, um... I got out of that moment and uh, I ran all the way home. I normally rode the bus home, but I ran all the way home and I turned the water on as hot as I could and I put my hands under the water as a fourth grader and I tried to wash the black off of my skin so that I could go to the party. And my mom came home and she said, son, what are you doing? She was crying. I was crying. My hands were burned to a crisp and uh, she said, son, what are you doing? What are you doing? I said, mom, I just want to go to the party. If I'm not black, I can go to the party. You know, and she uh, encouraged me minister to me, help me. But it was an insult that stuck with me. See what I'm talking about? The insult mentality, friends, it cuts so deeply. And then it translated over to my life. And this is one of the things that I see that holds Christians back in great measure is they constantly look at the experiences that they've had with people, bring it into the relationship with God, and they think constantly that God is out to get them, to embarrass them, to reject them. And even though they're in the faith, they're not actually free. Do you know, just a couple years ago, literally, I was in a church service preaching and the Lord highlighted this man. And I was like preaching. Or, I mean, I was staring him down the entire sermon. At the end of the sermon, he came up to me. and said, were you talking to me? And I said, yeah. I said, you're a lot bigger than I thought. Uh, so I'm going to just stand back here. And he's like, no, man, I believe like he goes, why were you speaking to me? I said, God highlighted you. And we began to talk and have a conversation. And at the end of the conversation, he said, Peter, I've been a member of this church for 20 plus years, a board member for several years. And he said, for some reason, I cannot bring it to myself to come to the altar even when I know I need to. It is possible to be in the seats in the house of God. Hearing words that you know you need. An opportunity to respond. Missing out on it. Why? What kept him from the altar for 20 years? Friends, the insult mentality. The constant belief that he's disappointing God. The fear that he's embarrassing going to be embarrassed or rejected by God. This is something that is attacking believers deeply today. It's why even though we speak faith, we have to keep speaking faith because we don't remember what God has spoken to us. This is why the scriptures say he's given us the spirit and the spirit will help us remember everything that god spoke to us we need help remembering because we could step into a service and immediately things get wiped out because of the insult mentality oh it's happening all across 20 years 20 years of sermons on freedom 20 years of sermons on forgiveness. 20 years of sermons on power. 20 years of sermons on faith. Not able to respond because the only thing he could think about in the presence of God is what he did wrong. The insult mentality. The insult mentality, church. And I want to speak to this today. (laughs) I want to speak to this today. Here's what I came to the realization of today especially concerning the man of the man in that story, is Jude chapter one, verse nine, please put it back up, is pivotal for the body of Christ to become the people that God has called us to be. You're like, this verse? Yes, this verse, I'm gonna explain. Here's the conclusion I came to, is I constantly myself, before really allowing Jude chapter one, verse nine to be a part of my life, would come into the presence of God, hear about the roaring lion, hear about the promise keeper, hear about this God is good. And I couldn't focus on what God was saying because I was so embarrassed at what had happened. And the distance between even my sin and the present moment I was in didn't change how embarrassed I felt. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You love God's word. You love God's house. You love your church. But the minute Listen, the minute you hear a word, you hold on to it until you get into the parking lot and remember something that you said wrong or something that happened to you or you get a text. Come on, text sometimes right after service are the devil. They can wipe your joy away so quickly. Let me, let me explain. Even Michael, the chief angel of heaven, here's what I realized, is Michael is the chief angel of heaven. He is in the presence of God. He is drinking from the well of faith. He is in the throne room of grace. You know, the scriptures say that there's thousands, ten thousand angels flying around the throne room of grace, and they're not creative at all. All they say is holy, holy, holy is the Lord. They're in the presence of God. No veil, unfiltered, flying around the throne. Michael is the chief of that, so I imagine he's close to God. And he gets in front of the most diabolical creature on the planet named Satan. And here's what the Bible says, that even Michael, the chief angel, didn't dare and Insult the devil. He, he didn't insult the devil. Friend, friends, the devil is the easiest person to insult. Well, I grew up in a church where they would give him all types of names. Ah, he's a slimy, stinky foe. Oh, he's under my feet. I, I bind the hand of the serpent. Oh, he might bruise my heel, but I will break his head. Come on, somebody give God a shout. Hey, hey I said right now, huh, the Bible said huh, that God, you know, like they, I'm telling you. He is the easiest person to insult. Yet someone who is bathing in the presence of God gets around the most diabolical creature. As a matter of fact, the reason you and I are struggling the way we are struggling today is simply because of what Satan has ushered into the earth. Displeasure between God and men and he's tricked men into thinking something about God that God never thought about man. Satan is the easiest person to insult. Yet Michael doesn't insult the devil. And here's the conclusion I came to today. is if the chief angel of heaven isn't willing to insult the devil, why do I think that he's willing to insult me? Okay, let me say it like this. If heaven has nothing bad to say about Satan, why do I think God constantly has something bad to say about me? Now oh, I pray this truth makes you uncomfortable today because for most of us, we say we hear God, but we only hear God in the things that we're doing wrong. Now, I'm not saying you're perfect. We all know that that's not true for any of us. But I just suggest to you today that if, say, if Michael, if heaven, Michael who represents heaven, has nothing bad to say about Satan, no insults to sling at Satan, there are no insults from God Almighty towards you erasing the insult mentality today and I begin to think to myself wait why is it how is it that Michael didn't insult Satan do you get where I'm coming from today why didn't he insult Satan just give you a couple thoughts here today number one Michael had a God-given position and here's the thought today when your position is secure with God you don't have to prove anything to man Do you know where a lot of our insult mentality comes from? It's trying to prove to people that we got it, that we understand it, that we can do it, that we are who we are. But I'm telling you, trying to prove yourself will only 10x the insult mentality in your life. Oh, I love students. I love them a lot. And I will never be done with youth ministry, I don't ever think. But students are the best because they're constantly trying to prove to the other students in the room that they got it. Oh, I love it when the young men do it. The young men are the best. Right, they take their shirts off on Instagram and they flex. Ah! Ah! It's amazing, right? They got like a little bird chest, three chest hairs. Ah! Church, they love it. And I asked one of my, I asked one of my students. I said, "Why are you doing that?" He said, "I want, I want girls to see." I said, "I get it. I understand, young man. I get it, right?" Or the girls, the girls are even better, right? The girls do that walk, church. Come to Pendel Youth Convention, you will see young ladies who got the walk. They're just like, I'm like, this is where are you going? This is not a fashion show. You are not a model. You have a Chick Fil A T-shirt on. What are you doing? Right? It's why they're all. I'm telling you, these young people, they're posting. It's why they're posting crazy stuff online. Just hi, you know, whatever. Right? Like it's weird. It's so weird. What? What are they doing? the insult mentality they're driven by the insult mentality they're driven to try to capture other people's attention and you know what's funny is it doesn't play out the same as an adult but it happens in the same way it's why people buy stuff they can't afford <laughs> see it's funny when i was talk about the students they're like Ugh. it's why they put themselves in positions that they know that the lord hasn't called them to it's the, ten, it's the insult mentality because trying to prove yourself 10 X what the insult mentality in your life. And the reason I know this today is because I tried it. I tried to prove that I could be something that I was not. And I found myself more empty than I've ever been before. And here's the reality today. The reason it feels like that is because you cannot focus on Christ and the criticism of other people at the same time. The insult mentality exists in our life when I am more focused on what people say than what God is saying. Oh, I love people, but people are brutal. I'm not trying to focus on what everyone else is saying. I'm trying to focus on what God is saying. And here's what I love about Michael is Michael understood that he had a position. He had something that was ascribed to him that he could not earn. He couldn't earn it. You have a position from God that you cannot earn. You are indefinitely a son or a daughter of God. You already have a position, but the insult mentality, it thrives where your position, where you have to prove it with man instead of being secure with God. But Michael didn't insult the devil. You know why? Because he was secure in his position. He was the chief angel. I don't have to prove anything to you. I don't have to bind you. You know how many old ladies in our church would throw their walker? He's under my feet. He's. I'm like, we just prayed for your hip last week. And now you're over here 8 at town stomping. We ain't praying again, Ethel. You know, like, But what the insult mentality? It exists and it's powerful. And the reason it grows in our lives is because we don't understand our position. The reason every time you get into your prayer life and you keep going, this is most of our prayer life right here. Ready, ready? God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. sorry. God, please, I'm sorry. And God's like, would you talk about something else? I literally, I feel like God is like, listen, when it comes to your sin, I cast them far as the east is from the west. Or In other words, stop talking to me about what you did wrong and let's talk about where you're going. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We pray that way because we're paralyzed by the insult mentality. You can't talk to God about the future. You have to talk to him about your sin because the insult mentality thrives, thrives where you are in your life. And it often happens because we don't understand the position that God has called us to. You know what's so interesting too? I love the world we live in today. I have so much good to say about the culture, but we are doing anything we can to minimize the insult mentality. Look at what some people are doing. Some people are going to the gym. They're like, I know how to get these insults off me. I'm going to go pump iron. I'm going to go to the gym. Planet Fitness, where they serve pasta and bagels and carbs. That's a good business model. You're like, yeah, come eat carbs at the gym. You'll be a lifetime member. You know, like, some people go to the gym. My new thing is is so funny. People are getting surgeries. Come on, the ladies with the lips just to look good. I don't want to lie to them, so I just go, uh, mm," you know? (laughs) We got the BBLs and the BCDs and the OCDs and the MTVs, all these surgeries. <laughs> Fashion, oh my gosh, this is a big one. You don't, do you know what this is? No, I don't because it all looks the same. <laughs> I have no idea. Social media. What we're trying to do with all these things to medicate us is it's the efforts to get rid of the insults. But you can't get rid of insults except talking to the one who made you. So we, instead of create, getting rid of those insults, we create idols. When you deal with your insults in a way that is carnal, you create idols instead of getting rid of those insults. That's why people are more committed to their fashion closet than they are their faith. That's why people are more committed to the gym than they are to the body of Christ. Because you create insults. Okay, let me. I'm going too long. Most of us would do anything to get rid of those insults. Michael didn't because he understood he had a position. Here's what I need you to do. I'm going to go to point number two. It's, It's tough to have insults when you value the artist of the thing created. Okay, I want you to know today. It's not like Michael uh, wasn't creative and couldn't come up with insults for the devil. So I like maybe Michael didn't have any insults. It's not like he couldn't come up with any insults. Michael just understood that even though Satan was Satan, he was still created and crafted by God. And Michael had so much respect for God that he wasn't even willing to take shots at Satan. Did you hear what I just said? Michael had so much respect for God, he didn't even want to take shots at Satan. And this is why you and I have to be really careful how we talk about people that we don't agree with and don't like. Huh? This is why you and I have to be really careful about labeling and judging and speaking badly about other people. Oh my gosh, did you see her? hmm. Yep. I'm going to heaven. Praise God. Ooh, we're so quick to tell ourselves we're going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. The streets of gold. he has prepared a place for me, not you. Shouldn't have cheated on your husband. Sorry. Yep, shouldn't have had an OnlyFans. Sorry. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Shouldn't have been doing that. Yep. You're not going... Oh, we are so quick to sling the insults. Maybe it's because we don't value the artist or we don't value the, we, the reason it's, we have these insults is because we don't value the artist of the thing created. We don't trust God. We don't see his perspective. His, Michael had so much respect for God, he didn't even take shots at Satan because he knew God created Satan. <laughs> That's why we have to be careful. Oh, I just agree, disagree with their politics. I just disagree with their lifestyle. I just disagree with the decisions they're making. Yeah, yeah, you might disagree with them, but you don't get to talk badly about them because he still died for them. I was on a mission trip to a Muslim community and I was with a leader who was young and experienced. I call him young and experienced now because of what he spoke to me. We were there ministering to Muslim people and he said, look at these people, they're disgusting. Ugh, I don't even want to tell them about Jesus. I can't believe they live like this. I can't believe they believe this. This is demonic. And now I know. At first, I thought that was noble. I was like, wow. Okay. But now I know that that was a young man that allowed the insult mentality to thrive in his life. And so even though he was there to represent God, all he could see was evil because he allowed the insults to flow with him. Can I tell you how I know someone is really not walking with God? By how they talk about other people. I don't, care how many, I don't care how many worship songs you know. I don't care if you wear a Maverick City t-shirt while singing Maverick City. I don't care if angels show up in your room and literally sing Waymaker. If you speak badly about people that God has created, I know you're not walking with him. How could you? The Bible says he, I've said it multiple times, that he formed every one of us. An individual, an original. He's the artist of our created soul. And you know what people say to me? They go like, I don't know why people come up and tell me all these horrible things about other people. They just just do. And I'm like, (laughs) my question is, why are they comfortable coming to you? Ain't nobody coming up to me telling me horrible things about anyone because I know I'll go right to him. Hey, he said this about you. Y'all need to deal with that. Excuse me. Yeah. The Bible says, if you have ought against your brother, take it right to him. But we allow the insult mentality to thrive. And it's not just how we speak about other people that grows the insult mentality. It's how we speak to ourselves. Let me, let me stop right here and say it like this. How we speak to ourselves directly fans the flame or kills the flame of the insult mentality. So much so that when God was leading Moses, who Moses battled the insult mentality like no other leader, you should go read about it. The Lord says that Moses went to him and said, what should I say? who should I say sent me? Who should I say, set me? And the Lord says, say, I am set you. That was God's name. God says, when, you, when, they, when he says, who do you come by? Say, I am set me. God said, my name is I am. And I was taught that taking the Lord's name in vain, was like, you stub your toe on a chair and you're like, Jesus Christ. All right, and you say it with like bad intent. We're like, oh my God. Friends, I suggest to you, maybe that's true. But what is true is we take the Lord's name in vain every time we say, I am loser I am disgusting I am a failure I am broken I am because that's his name he literally embedded his name in your day-to-day so that when you speak about yourself you will speak with such high regard because that is his name I am can I tell you today the scripture says that no weapon formed against you will prosper even the weapon of your own mind I'm adding Listen. There's no, When we see that verse, I'm not adding to the scripture, just to the thought, because we think, okay, uh, no weapon formed against me coming from this direction, this direction, and this direction. But what about from this direction? Because some of you, the greatest insults that are slurred at you are from your own mind. Some of you speak to other people really badly. Look, here's what I've learned: is people are brutal to other people, but they are absolutely terrible when it comes to themselves. Come on, you speak badly about other people, but you destroy yourself in a way you would never speak to anyone else. Friends, this is what is a result of the insult mentality. We don't even understand that we are created in the image of God, formed by his hands, and we have to be careful how we speak about other people and also careful how we whisper about ourselves. You know what my mom taught me? Because growing up, I had a pornography addiction. So my mom taught me, she said, son, which by the way, I never told her. Come on, how scary is God? Can I, can I be vulnerable like this today? Is this okay? My mom just came to me one time. She said, son, how you doing? I said, I'm good. Why are you talking to me like this? She's like, no reason. I'm like, okay. She's like, the Lord spoke to me last night. I said, okay, great. What did he say? She's like, the Lord told me you have a porn addiction, son. I said, dear God, I'm not safe anywhere. <laughs> and me and my mom went through it. And she taught me that. She said, son. I'm not going to take away your stuff. I was like, okay. She says, because that's not the root of the problem. It's not the root. The root of the problem is that you don't know how God feels about you. And she said, every time you find yourself in a moment of temptation, I want you to confess, I am, ooh, you see where I'm going with this? The righteousness of Christ. Not I will be one day. Not I might. Well, you are in the moment, son. Oh, friends, to this very day, in any moment of temptation, in any capacity, I just speak over myself. I am the righteousness of Christ and that confession praises God and fills my weary soul. How she understood that taking away what was, leave and leave, it wouldn't lead to change. I'd find another way to do it. She said, son, you need to surrender your life to Christ am the righteousness of Christ. (laughs) She was erasing the insult mentality in me. (sighs) Okay, fine. Why didn't Michael insult the devil? Here we go. Point number three. Because insults develop where intimacy is absent. Insults develop where intimacy is absent. Basically what I'm trying to say is this is there's so much distance between you and God, you don't actually know how he feels about you. So of course you can create narratives and thoughts and things that God never intended for you. It's that distance. But Michael was so close to God in the throne room of God that he didn't even have anything bad to say about the devil. Why? Because he was intimate with God. There was connection there. I'm sure, and I'm just speculating here. And if you're mad that I'm speculating, email me at TonyCruz at Freedom Life Church. Just kidding, don't do that. Just let me speculate for a minute. I imagine that when the chief angel would meet with his heavenly father, his boss, and they would talk about saying, he would say, you know, I created him to be gifted. He was the worship leader. Oh, he was so good at singing praises. I created him with a band and with leadership ability and with fire. <gasps> Michael was so intimate with God. He didn't even have insults for Satan. What are you trying to say to me? I'm saying maybe the reason you talk so badly about others and the reason you talk so badly about yourself is because there's a lot of distance between you and God. You know, anytime I have a couple come in, I still do pastoral counseling at our church and meet with different couples. And couples are so funny because when they're, when they're like engaged, they can't stop being around each other, all over each other. They're, they're weird. I see them. I know exactly who the engaged couples are because they sit on the same side of the booth when they go on dates. And then there's nobody on the other side. I'm like, that's weird. Be normal like the rest of us. And you sit on one side and you sit on the other, young lady. Like, we just want to sit together. We love each other. We're, we're never going to be angry at each other. <laughs> and anytime I marry a couple and then they come in a couple weeks later, like, we made a mistake. I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm, sitting on the same booth. That's where it led you here, you know? (laughs) They have insults for each other. I'll meet with the the new wife first, and she'll go, he doesn't, he is disgusting. I had no idea how big of a slob he is. It's like, it's called a toilet brush cleaner. How does he not know what a toilet brush cleaner is? He's an animal, right? She'll just, all these insults. And then he'll be like, bro, she doesn't stop talking, Bro. She wants to conversate about everything, my feelings. How can I tell you how I feel? I don't even know how I feel. And they have insults for each other. And the reason they have insults is because there's no intimacy. I'm not talking about sex today. I'm talking about the unveiling of emotion and communication and wisdom and learning and growing and praying together. There's no intimacy. So all they have for each other is insults. Translate this into any relationship with your life. The reason that there's insults for your kids is intimacy. The reason there's insults for yourself, for your life, is because there's intimacy. You don't know what he's saying about you. But Michael was so intimate with God that he didn't even have the insults for Satan. <laughs> this has changed my life in terms of how God sees me. I'm about to make... A lot of you feel very uncomfortable and I'm sorry. We can deal with it. I can't remember the last time I said, God, I'm sorry in my prayer time. You're like, you don't make mistakes. Of course I do. But I get in there and he starts whispering to me about his love for me. And it's like, every time I'm going to say, I'm sorry, he just covers my mouth and says, no, no, I love you. No, no I said, before you even knew you needed me, I sent my son. And what actually transforms my heart is not the confession, I'm sorry. It's staring into the eyes of the one who loves me and go, you love me even when I didn't think I needed you. You love me. And then I start to worship. I don't have time to say sorry. I'm just worshiping. Because I know that if he didn't even have insults for Satan, there's no way he has insults for me. He didn't die for Satan, but he died for me. He sent his son. The Bible says, even when we didn't know. I know that makes you feel uncomfortable. You're like, we have a preacher here that doesn't repent. No, don't get it wrong. twisted it today. I know I need him. I know, I'm, I know there's things going on. But I get in that place and I begin to worship and maybe my tears tell the story instead of me saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Come on! Erasing the insult mentality. The last thing today, last point today. Michael left Satan's future in God's hands. Let me say it like this, church. The insult mentality thrives where people can't release control. (laughs) Remember when they couldn't control Jesus? What did they say? You're the devil and the son of Satan. They called Jesus the devil because they couldn't control him because you insult what you can't control. You know, I had a young man in my youth ministry. He was the most honest person. Worship team, you come back up. I had a young man in my ministry. He was the most innocent person or the most um, authentic person I've ever met. He would just tell me the truth because cause he had a girlfriend that went to like every high school in the area. And I was like, son, he's like, what? I was like, you're stupid. <laughs> I was like, you don't think these girls are going to know? He's like, he was so honest with me. A young, I've never experienced this kind of honesty from anyone in my entire ministry. He said, Pastor Peter, these girls? He goes, yeah, I'm just going to date all of them. I said, why? What? I was like, why are you doing that? He said. Yeah, you know, I just get bored. And I go, but when they, when they find out about each other, what do you do? And he said, simple. He said, when they find out about each other and they get mad at me, I just begin to insult them so badly that they forget who they are and then I'm the one that comforts them and then they stay. That's what he told me. He said, I insult them so badly that they forget who they are and then I'm the one that comforts them. That's, how, that's exactly what Satan does with you. He can't control you, so he begins to insult you or remind you. You're praising God, and all of a sudden, hey, remember when you were 16 and you did that? You start looking around. You go to prayer. God, speak to me. And immediately Satan comes in to try to control you. He insults you. Remember when you watched that? Remember when you said that? Remember when you went there? Remember when you did that? He can't control you, so he insults you. And then you don't know where to turn because you don't know how God feels about you. So then you turn towards whatever substance. <laughs> and you get back exactly where he wants you. He comforts you. Then you turn to whatever screen you're looking at. Then you turn to whatever gambling, whatever it is, whatever your vice is. And then you go, oh, maybe I could just, nobody, I could just manage it. It's the insult mentality. It's the insult mentality. I hope you understood what I was trying to say today. We have to erase the insult mentality. I have a secure position with God. I'm trusting the future into God's hands. I'm intimate with God. Therefore, I don't need to worry. The insult mentality, we have to erase it. How do I erase it? By focusing more on Him than you do on you. Simple today. Let me tell you this last story, church. I know I've gone long. I apologize, of course. But is that something I want to get to you? This is how the message sticks. When you start thinking about yourself the way that God thinks about you, that's how faith sticks. That's why Paul says in in, in Romans chapter 12 be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. That's what this message was today. A renewing of your mind. That heaven has nothing horrible to say about you. Come on let that fuel you today. Heaven has nothing horrible to say about you. You're like how can that be possible? Well heaven didn't have anything bad to say about Satan and God loves you so much more than Satan. Is anyone hearing me today? I went to, okay, last story. I was with my Uncle Patrick. My Uncle Patrick, literally, my mom's brother, he's super African too. Like, he is T'Challa, okay? Like, he, Uncle Pat was like, my mom sent me to Mississippi one summer. She said, son, you're a little too much for me, and uh, I'm sending you to Mississippi. So I go hang out with my Uncle Patrick, and he does prison ministry. I was terrified, okay? Terrified. He's like, we're going to go into the prisons. I was like, I'm trying to get out. I'm not, I'm not trying to get in. That sounds dumb, Uncle Pat. He was like, you're a foolish boy. So Uncle Patrick takes me to the prison. We're just getting into the prison. We're walking around. I was like, Uncle well, Patrick, I don't feel God. He was like, shut up. <laughs> That's what he said. It's like, you're supposed to be a Christian. So we're walking through the prison. Now, I don't really know much about prisons, but I know that there's an A block and a B block and a C block and a D block. And I imagine that D block is the most dangerous. That's why it's called D. I don't know. But we walked all the way to D-block and they closed those doors behind us. And Uncle Pat is, we, it was scary to me because we were just in a space with a bunch of prisoners. And Uncle Patrick is talking to this guy and like, there's people walking all around. I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm. I started praying in the spirit. Actually, at that time, I didn't know how to pray in the spirit. So I just started quoting books of the Bible. I was like, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Zephaniah. Mm-hmm. Genesis, Exodus. Mm-hmm. God, I need an Exodus out of this place right now. Get me out of this. I look at the guard. I said, hmm, what'd you say? Let my people go. <laughs> I <was> terrified. <laughs> <laughs> terrified. And Uncle Patrick sits down with this man. And the first thing out of this man's mouth is he said, I feel so free. Now, I'm an immature teenager at this point, so I just said, well, you're not. You're in prison. <laughs> Come on, George, you can laugh. I didn't know what I was saying. Uncle Patrick just hit me in my chest. My chest was like a little bird chest. He's like, and I was like, took me like a couple minutes to recover. And this man is just talking about how he just entered into the book of Galatians. Uncle Patrick got him a Bible and he's reading the book of Galatians. And he said, It's like every page I turn, I just, it's just light. He's like, I can't even think about the things I used to think about before. He goes, I just just feel so free. Uncle Patrick, what is he in here for? I asked. The guy heard me. He didn't hesitate. He said, murder. I said, can we go? (laughs) Can we go? And He said, son, we're sitting here. This young man is telling his story. He talked about how he felt free about how every time he would open the Bible he'd cry about how his worship experiences were so powerful about how he used to be afraid of who was behind him but now he's like if if they take me they take me about how he's winning people in the prison of Christ I think at that point it was some either 24 or 29 prisoners that he had won that year to Christ (laughs) and I couldn't help but reflect on that story as I wrote this sermon because that man who's in prison is freer than most Christians I know today His body is caged, but his soul is free. And most of us, our bodies are free, but our soul is caged, locked by the insult mentality. That's why you don't start that new venture, because you are already living in the insult mentality. You know God called you to start something, but you won't do it because the insult mentality has gripped you. It's why you won't minister to that person. It's why you won't step out and start that business. It's why you won't decide to join and lay down your life here at this church. It's because the insult mentality keeps telling you a different story other than what God is saying. But if anything I say, this is the most important of the three. If any of it is going to stick, it's going to be because you understand what God thinks about you. Erase the insult mentality. If heaven has nothing bad to say about Satan, there's no way he has anything bad to say about you. Stay with me today. I know I've preached long and I, I, you know, but I just feel like God wants to encounter you. Some of you, your, no weapon formed against you was supposed to prosper, but the one that's prospering is the lies you believed from your family. They told you you weren't good enough. You would never be anything. You're a pervert. You're whatever. Woo, we've allowed those things to stick with us. We've allowed comments from our boss, our job, all these different things. Some of us keep comparing ourselves to other people because we don't understand we're a son and daughter of God. We're an original and we let the insults flow. We keep attacking our own mind. Some of us are paralyzed on things that God has called us to do because of the insult mentality. So I don't. there's no fluff here. We need a touch from God. If this has been your battle, I want to give you a space to pray today. I want to lay hands on you. I want to ask God to renew your mind today. I want you to see yourself the way the Lord sees you. Close your eyes with me today. Abba, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. You are ministering to our weary souls right now. The story has never been that we're not good enough. The story has always been that we only believe that we weren't good enough. From wherever direction it can, we bind that today in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray today that you would free people from the insult mentality. and That they would peer into the eyes of the one who loves them. Some of you say you know how to hear God, but the only thing you've heard from God is how bad you are. So I'm going to suggest to you to say, you probably haven't heard him in a while. You're like, I need to change this. I need to fix this. I need to do that. That doesn't even sound like him. He shows up in the middle of your situation. Now, don't get me wrong. God is loving and he will correct us. But if that's the only thing you hear from him, you've got the insult mentality. It's, it's growing in you. Holy Spirit, minister to us today. Don't take his name in vain. Stop with the I am's. I am a loser. I am a failure. I am discouraged. I can't, right? Like you're, his name is I am. So I want to open up these altars today. You say, Pastor, I need the touch of God. I've been living with the insult mentality, whether it's towards other people or towards yourself today. I'm going to count to three, and I want you to come find a place to pray. Come on, one, two, three. Come today, come on. Come on, come on. Come on, it's time to erase the insult mentality. Come on, come on. Come on, church, don't be afraid today. Come on, that man sat in that church for 20 years, not responding to exactly what he knew he needed to respond to. Some of you, I'm telling you, This is the one. I'm going to count to three. One more time. Get a little courage. Come on. One, two, three. Come on. Come on. He said, I couldn't come. I was a board member. (laughs) I didn't want people to see me differently. He didn't understand. He was a son of God. (sighs) Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's all hear from the Holy Spirit together today. Come on, say, God, speak to me. Speak to me. Come on, and if you're in your seat, say, God, speak to me. Yeah. Oh. Touch us, oh God. <laughs> Renew our mind, oh God. free us Lord even from the weapon of our own words you who didn't dare to insult the devil Michael who represents God almighty you had nothing horrible to say to Satan the tone of heaven is different towards your children thank you